Hi everyone, my little lovelies. Welcome back to the Effed Up True Crime Podcast. And thank you so much everybody for tuning in and continuing to tune in. I'll start off with, I do not own the music being played at any period of time. Not mine, just love it. So... If you're new to our podcast, please make sure you check out Effed Up True Crime pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr, because that's where we put up the evidence photos from cases um, and anything else related to the cases that we cover. Um, As previously mentioned next week, I will be covering the case of 22-year-old Taylor McAllister, who was a very talented Floridian uh, musician from Florida, Um, and she was killed December 2016. The autopsy concluded that her death was a homicide caused by asphyxiation, Um, but... The St. Petersburg Police treated it as an overdose. And you wouldn't believe some of the things that went on. Um, I've got all the interviews, police interviews, prison interviews, got it all. So make sure you tune in. Um, I know I can't say that a certain person involved in that case was the murderer. So I will be using the word allegedly a lot. And I mean a lot. Um, so, okay, let's get to today. Because I am starving. And I don't know. I really want tacos. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so today we will cover the Roe family murders that took place in 2010 in Adelaide, South Australia. Um, the killer, Jason Alexander Downey, was actually my niece's ex-boyfriend's brother, so there is some inside information that will come to light. Um, niece tells me that, you know, the brother was actually really nice, um, and there was a rumor between her circle that it was actually her um, Jason's brother that committed the murders and Jason took the fall for it but not um, a lot of them actually believe that rumor so I'm not sure where to go with that one um, and like we said there's no evidence to prove that um, but I'll give you a quick just very quick background on him uh on jason um jason alexander downey emigrated to australia with his mother and brother in 2016 uh from scotland and they took up residence in kapunda uh as i stated south australia now it's known that jason um had always been infatuated with Chantelle Rowe, uh, the daughter. Um, she always, she got the creeps when he was around. She had a bad vibe from him, um, but she always stayed courteous because 
uh, Downey was actually friends with her boyfriend Dylan. I'm not gonna. I know that it's quick search, but I don't want to give out his surname. Um, just because he's probably been harassed about this for ten years now. Um, anyway, so Jason had been infatuated with Chantel for some time, but she wasn't having a bar of it, and. Um, Unfortunately, on November the 8th of 2010, everything came to a head. Now, in Kapunda, there was only two police officers. Um, at, and I don't mean two police officers on duty. I mean two police officers, period. Um, and due, due to all of this, the... Where is it? Sorry, I've just lost that... Uh, because in 2010, the estimated population was just over 3,100 um, Kapunda, New South Wales. So, it's a tiny town. Everyone knows everyone. Um, so, there was a deep shock that went through that community after the murders. They were petrified from, from the point that it came to light that these murders had taken out had um, taken place um, until the murderer was caught um, so where are we as I said two police officers so of course you know the crime scene did take a long time to process there was a lot of blood now on that night Christopher the eldest child of Andrew and Rosemary Rowe was actually on a trip with his fiance in Queensland and had no idea. So when he was watching the news, he saw images of his street on the television um, and immediately jumped on Facebook and asked someone if they could go and check on his loved ones. I'm guessing he tried to call first and there was no answer. I, I'm guessing because that would be, you know, the first thing that anyone would do. Um, so the friends complied and... Um, he learnt that his family were murdered over social media, which is absolutely devastating. Um, now, even though he was in Queensland, of course the police had to look at him um, because that's what they do. They always work from the inner circle outwards because um, this was, in all effects, a crime of passion. Um, and you'll see why in a, not long. Um and I'll, yeah, I'll explain it to you why it was a crime of passion in a minute. But he was soon eliminated. It, he, there was no evidence to say that he was involved whatsoever. Um, and he, he just adored his family. So this was absolutely devastating because not only does he lose one to murder, but he lost mum, dad and sister. Uh, I just can't imagine how you get through that. Um, now, after the murders, even though they didn't have a lead, an anonymous caller um, put a call into Crime Stoppers um, here in Australia with a tip. And at first, the tip seemed completely justifiable um, and looked like that they were being pointed in the perfect direction as to who had committed these crimes. Um, but unfortunately... It wasn't to be, It's which is absolutely devastating for anyone because uh, it would have been hard to be dealing with all of this in that community in such a small 
community. Um, so the tipster mentioned that there was a Facebook post made on the nights on the night of these murders, and the post was suspicious. It was really suspicious. Um, the person had put up on Facebook um, a person that had been in contact with the Roe family previously, um, and a person. I'm not going to name names, um, that did actually live in within close proximity of the Roe house. Now, the post said, quote, I can't believe what I've done, full stop. I don't know whether I can carry on, end quote. Now, to anyone on the night of these three murders, these three slayings um, that took place in such a small town, um, well, it would spark interest. It would spark some, yeah, it would get some very unwanted attention. Um, so as any good law enforcement would do, uh, they immediately jumped on that tip. Um, and at this stage, there's only the two officers in town. Um, so, they, of course, they needed to call in detectives from Adelaide to help solve this case. Um, it was far too much for them to take on. And let's face it, there aren't a lot of murders in this town, 3,100 people. Uh, so they would have need some experts to come in um, so that the case wasn't, you know, jumbled and bumbled, fumbled, sorry. So, so to everyone's disappointment, though, because they really, really wanted the murderer caught, um, the person of interest at that stage with the Facebook post was actually talking about a domestic violence incident um, that had just happened and not the murders. Uh, due to this, he, he was quickly excluded um, and he had his alibis that did check out. They were very solid. Um when the autopsy on the family came in and it became clear that parents, Andrew and Rosemary, put one hell of a fight up when they were attacked. Um, they were attacked first as it came out. Um, so Andrew was first, followed by Rosemary and eventually Chantel. Um, it became known very quickly that Chantelle had actually been stabbed 33 times and that she had been raped. So it was clear that it was a crime of passion. Um, poor Andrew was stabbed 29 times and Rosemary, the mother, stabbed over 50. And you'll hear why um, hers was so, the number was so great. Um, so on the weekend of the stabbings, they've had, of course they've had to work back to see who could have been involved. Um, Chantelle actually hosted a party while her parents were uh, holiday. Uh, they had taken the weekend in Adelaide, which was about I think it's about 80 k's. I'm not sure what that would be in miles. I haven't looked it up. Um, and it wasn't a big party, though. It was more like friends came over to watch TV um, together. Um, they just relaxed a bit. Uh, and anyone that was in attendance that evening um, spoke with police and were very compliant. They were willingly offered up information and anything else that the police had needed from them at that point in time. Um, 
but it was throughout these initial interviews um, with the friends that Jason Downey's name was mentioned for the first time. Um, and then, so we'll jump, that, that will come up again. Um, but it was, came out that just after 5am on the Monday, after the stabbings the next morning, um, Chantel's boyfriend Dylan sent her a text asking her if she was feeling okay as she hadn't been well um, the day before. Sorry, they had the party on Saturday night. Yeah, um, hadn't been feeling well after this party uh, and stated she was going to actually call in sick to work. Um, she had a cold, verging on flu that had come on on Sunday. Now, this is where it all gets a bit weird. So, there was a message sent in reply from Chantel's phone. But, according to the phone company, it never went through to Dylan um, because Chantel had actually run out of credit on her phone. Now, the police have tried getting this message back from CyberSafe uh, space, um, but they've never actually been able to retrieve it. I mean, I don't understand this myself. It hasn't been stated, but maybe they weren't able to get a hold of her phone. Maybe that was destroyed or gone. Um, I could not find the reason they weren't able to extract it from the phone. Um, and, that, yeah, there's been no mention. So I'm not saying they didn't check the phone. I'm just saying that I haven't been able to find the information on that. Um, so, and it became quick clear very very quickly that Chantel could not have been the one to send that text um, the missing text because she was already dead according to the post-mortem due, due to all of this the boyfriend was looked into but he was very quickly ruled out just as the brother was um, and his alibis all checked out um, so, as the forensic teams went through the house, they discovered fingerprints on the back of Chantel's door. Very fresh fingerprints came up. Um, of course, they ran the fingerprints um, in the police database, but it didn't come up as a match to anyone's. Um, so, on 13th of November, results from a semen sample that had been found on or in Chantel after the that had basically been there after the rape uh, which is just devastating um it was also uploaded to the database and or the police database and again it came back with nothing it didn't mean that whoever had done the crime um had, it it didn't mean he hadn't previously been arrested, which we didn't find anything of, but um, you've got to be arrested in a case where DNA is extracted for it to be able to be put up. Um, and after, after finding that Chantel had been raped, they knew that the crime was sexually motivated. There was no doubt about that. Um, it was a sexually motivated attack. So due to the, the nature of the attack, all of Chantel's male friends were asked to come in to the, and they were asked to give DNA samples, and they all complied, absolutely no issue. Um, 
they wanted to know just as much as the cops who did this to their friend and Dylan wanted to know who could have done this to his so a stunning girl friend um, but as they were doing these DNA testings um, alarm bells for the officers began to ring off so Jamie Downey, one of Chantel's supposed friends, which is actually, as we know, she didn't like him, but when Downey was to give DNA, which he didn't, by the way, not sure why, there was a fumble there or something, um, he began ranting to the officer about an alibi, because, but the alarm bells went off because he was never asked for one. Um... He was telling him he wasn't invited to the party. Chantelle had thrown that weekend. Um, it, yeah, it just alerted police because he was very quick about saying it. I wasn't there. This is where I was. Um, and so the police were wondering if he did have something to do with the murders. So on Sunday the 14th of November, the police showed up at Downey's house where they did collect DNA from him. Um, he didn't fight he willingly gave the police his samples um and while interviewing downey they noticed cuts very deep cuts all over his hands um and since knives were used to kill each of the Roe family members he then became a prime suspect in their eyes which well you would wouldn't you um so, when he, when he was asked how he got the cuts on his hands, he said they were due to falling off his push bike. Now, remember that. Remember the push bike because we will come back to that further on in arrest. Um, so, by then, detectives were very sure he was at least involved in the murders. However, they had to wait 48 hours to receive the answers they needed um, to be able to perform an arrest. Um, on the Tuesday, just after 9am, it came in that Jason's DNA sample was a perfect match to the DNA left on Chantel at the crime scene. So immediately police began to plan out his arrest. Um, they had to plan it. They knew from the murders what this man was capable of. So they wanted to proceed with caution and not just pounce, which glad they did because this guy has stabbed three people you don't know what's going to happen um now on the sunday the statement that he had given to police um it hadn't been signed by him and any of us that have ever given a statement to the police know that um for it to be used it must be signed by the author uh so they calmly asked his manager at his job in the mechanics garage i think it was um they just said to the manager can you just tell jason to pop in we just want him to sign these documents um so that afternoon after he'd finished work um which which was a good way of doing it because then no members of the public were placed in harm's way that way um, so anyway, Downey was dropped off at the police station after work, um, and that's when they got him. That, 
When taken in for questioning, um, Downey told the police that he, <laughs> when asked why his DNA would have been at the crime scene, he went on to tell them that he told police he had consensual sexual affair with Chantel many months ago. So he's trying to say that the semen found on Chantel was <laughs> from a previous encounter months and months ago. So, of course, the police told him that it wasn't from that and that it couldn't have been, um, but he still played it cool. He didn't get worked up. He didn't think anything of it. I'm not even sure he had the brain capacity to do so. Um, but he then proceeded to tell officers that the night of the murders, it couldn't have been him because he had been at Chantel's house for a while. Um, uh, and before... Before leaving, Dylan actually told him that he wouldn't be staying at Chantel's house that night because Chantel had been sick. Um, so, you know, he's just like, great, one less person to fight when I get there. Um, however, later, after arrest and everything and in jail, he told the defense attorneys that he only went over to Chantel's house um, because he needed to see Dylan. So, yeah, there's another contradiction. This guy really needed to start writing shit down from the beginning. Um, and then he said that after he'd left, left Dylan's, he went home and had a massive fight with his mother just after 11 p.m. Um, and his mother had told him that he, she locked him out of the house and told him that he could go and sleep in his car. She'd had enough. I don't know what the fight was about, but... It was enough for her to say, nope, piss off, go to your car. Um, and again, in this interview, um, after arrest, he was yet again asked about the cuts on his hands. So, again, he explained that the cuts were from falling off his push bike, using his hands to break the fall. However, it wasn't long after that, that the idiot went on to tell another detective that he got the cuts falling off his motorbike um, and that's how the cuts were on his hand so it was the detectives knew they had him they knew that they could use this against him um, he was then taken to jail and kept there to await trial because he had finally been charged with the three murders of the family um, while awaiting trial, Downey called, he, he would place phone calls and correspond with his mother and brother, three letters, phones, any, any way that they were allowed to, um, and he kept telling them of his innocence. Um, he then went on to, <laughs> this was a good one, he then went on to describe to his family members um, that the murders were actually committed by a man in dark clothing who was carrying a green plastic shopping bag. Don't know where the hell that came from. Anyway, in one letter he said, and I quote, I fucked up mum. Full stop, I cradled Chantel until she died, but I didn't do it. And I should have told the cops, I'm so sorry, end quote. 
It took over a year um, to investigate this crime because police didn't want to risk losing at trial. They wanted to put the work in. Um, and while in continuing to investigate, officers found uh, some of the blood from the crime scene in Downey's console in his car. So that was working against him as well. Um, November 9th, 2011. To everyone's shock, one day, one year, one day after the murders, Downey out of nowhere pled guilty. Just came out, pled guilty. No one knows why he had the sudden change, um, but you can imagine after a year of preparing for this, it, the police were shocked. Um, but even though he pled guilty, uh, unfortunately, it still had to go to court. Um, it had to determine whether he really did the crime and um, the judge needed to be able to hear all of the information and see all the evidence to be able to decide just how long he was going to sentence Downey to jail. Um, it also came out that Chantal had actually taken cover under her bed when she heard the violence happening outside her bedroom door. Downey had managed to drag her out from her under her bed um, where he stabbed her 33 times. Um, Downey then took off her clothes, all of them, raped her, and then redressed the poor girl. I don't know why he redressed her. I don't know if he was trying to cover up what the, the fact that um, she'd been raped rather than just murdered. Um... He, he hasn't spoken, so we don't know. Um, Downey then exited the bedroom. after He's killed mum, dad, or so he thought. So after he's raped her and killed her, he exits the bedroom and he tries to clean up by mopping around Andrew's, the father's body. But as he's mopping up, he noticed that Rosemary, the mother was actually still alive. So we don't know how many times she'd been stabbed by now, but he saw she was alive and she was actually trying to shuffle towards the front door. Um, unfortunately, he saw her, he grabbed another knife and he repeatedly stabbed her again. And as I said, by the end, there was over 50 stab stabbings in poor Rosemary's body. Um, but... It, People have said that they heard someone, which they, was Rosemary, yell help three times. Um, and that there was then a big bang, but no one ever went to her aid. Which, you know, if they did, they probably would have been murdered them as well. Um, Downey's never shown any remorse for anything that he has done, even though he's pled guilty. Um, and when the... The courts asked him to tell them in his own account what happened that night. He's actually claiming now that he has no idea. He's amnesia from that night. And that he's also got PTSD. I mean, come on. A murderer's got PTSD. Did he think that that was going to get him sympathy? Hmm. So... <laughs> And then, you know, I told you that there was twisted up stuff, but here's the worst one. He went to the house after the murders with a small teddy bear, teddy bear and a card. 
and he placed it at the front of the house at a makeshift memorial. But he made sure he did it while cameras from the news outlets were rolling outside the house. He absolutely, oh my goodness, I was watching, he put on a brilliant performance, if you ask me. He was standing there with his grief, sadness, and just the, the faraway look of, oh my god, I can't believe this has happened. Um, so after all of this had happened, um, the police went and retrieved the teddy bear and the card. And, and I will tell you what the card says. It says, to Chantel, may you always be remembered and never forgotten. You'll be missed by everyone. Jason Downey XX. Oh, he's so disgusting. Um, but then in April 2012, Jason's sentence was finally handed down and he was given 35 years. Ugh. Um, he was actually meant to get 42 years but received a reduced sentence after pleading guilty to the murders. Which that always annoys me. If you plead guilty, just give him more. Um, look, the family aren't happy about the sentence and I wouldn't either. I, I'm not. Um, he should have received three counts of life without the ever having the possibility of parole um, but of course the family have said that they will fight any parole hearing um, that is to come when due and Downey will be in his 50s when this sentence is up now with that said I'm pissed off because my grandfather just passed away at the age of 94 years. So in my mind, that gives this asshole 40 years um, to live out doing whatever he wants um, without remorse. So what happens if he gets aroused by another girl, another girl he can't have? Will another family be subjected to the torture? and angst that he caused to the Roe family, it, it's going to happen again, especially with someone that has absolutely no remorse for the situation. Um, now, as we come to a close in this, I just wanted to give out this one last detail, disturbing detail. Um, after he was thrown in prison, a report, a reporter, oh, a reporter actually put out, this is when everything was over, over and done with, and the family needed to get on with their grieving. A reporter put out that Chantal was pregnant at the time of the murders. Oh, but what was frustrating was that this rumour was actually squashed by the police very very early on in the case um, at autopsy stated not pregnant because there had been a rumor um, so this reporter actually splashed this across the pages it was everywhere especially small town remember um, and so they you know they've had to walk down the street and there it is again right in front of them um, I do know some reporters have tried to get this person fired because um, the because this reporter stated to everybody else, I put it out there because I just thought it would be interesting. Um, it would have been another devastating blow to the family to see that splashed everywhere. 
Um, it, it's just incomprehensible. It's just disgusting. But during the court appearances, um, Downey showed little reaction, let alone remorse. Even when the impact statements were read from the Rowe family and friends. Um, though at an earlier hearing, he did glare at Andrew Rowe's sister when she confronted him across the courtroom, demanding to know what right he had to take away three angels. Um, it's really hard, but um, I will bring this up now. I will also post it. What have I done with it? Now, after everything was said and done, Downey, on the 20th of the first 11, he wrote a note to the family and friends. I will post this on the sites for you to see yourself. It's in his handwriting. It says, to all of the friends and family of Chantel, Andrew and Rosemary Rowe, first of all, I would like to apologise for my recent actions on November 8th, 2010. From the bottom of my heart, I'm deeply sorry for my actions. I have hurt a lot of people for what I have done. I know that no matter what my sentence I may get, it will never be enough. I have caused so much pain, not only in my family, but many others. I know this apology may not mean a lot to a lot of people. I feel that I have to say sorry as this whole situation is eating me alive. I had a career, car, friends, and most importantly, I had my family. Now, due to my recent actions, I have nothing. And as much as I hate to say it, I but I deserve anything and everything that is going to happen to me. I take full responsibility for my actions. I would also like to apologize um, to the brother of the victims, Christopher Rowe. I can't imagine what he would be feeling as he lost the most important people in his life. I want you to know that if I could turn back time and fix my wrongdoings, I would do it in an instant, but unfortunately I can't. So once again, I sincerely apologize for my actions from the bottom of my heart. I'm truly sorry. Jay Downey, it's signed. Now, I think he's done this. I think his lawyers might have said to do this because he never showed any sort of remorse at any other period of time. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been harrowing for these family members. Um, and the guy is, he just needs to go away. He just needs to be gone, done with. Um, it is stated that uh, um, the town, the whole town, including the family members that are left, actually feel sorry for his mother. Um, they've tried embracing her um, and telling her that it wasn't her fault, that she didn't do anything wrong, which is really sweet, if you ask me. I think it's a beautiful premise. Um, but due to her son's actions, the poor woman, no matter how much they try to coax her out, she is now a, a hermit. She rarely leaves her house, only if she absolutely has to. Um, so it wasn't, he didn't even just cause horror for the Roe family, which 
there is no comparison, but he's also caused his own family so much grief, um, especially being in a small town. Can you imagine how you would feel? You'd feel like everybody was looking at you, um, even though you haven't done anything wrong. And even though the, the, uh, the population are defending him and, um, you'd still feel it, wouldn't you? You'd still feel like everyone's looking at me. So I do hope the mother gets some help. Um, because it's just sad. It's very, it's a sad situation when you're involved on either side. Um, so I'm not sure if the mother is still supporting him. I don't know if she speaks to him. I'm not sure how it all works. Um, I couldn't find anything. But I'm guessing that as a recluse, she probably doesn't go to see him. Um, and in his letter, he's just said, I've lost everything. So I'm... I want to say that mum probably is just too devastated to even deal with him, which uh, we can't say how we react if our child did this. We can't. We, we don't know unless it was to happen. Um, so, yeah, there's the row case. I hope I will have another podcast go up tomorrow. So for the first week, I'm trying to get up... Um, at least one a day, but then after that, after the Taylor McAllister case um, that I mentioned earlier, which will probably be over two or three episodes, there is so much to cover. This girl's case, oh my goodness, like the crime scene photos alone that the family have shared with me are harrowing, um, absolutely harrowing, um, and I will... With their permission, I have been given the family's permission to upload everything. We want a very, I know that they're graphic images, but we, the only way that we feel that anyone is going to have a look at is if we throw it right in people's faces so that they can see for themselves. Because when you hear a story and you see the face, um, you know, of when they were alive and nice and well and everything, you know, oh, so, oh wasn't she beautiful? And then you scroll past it. However, when you are confronted with these crime scene photos, you're going to want to be like, how the hell is nobody being charged for this? And let me tell you, it is one twisted story. So twisted. You should even... Oh, my goodness. Now, even though I will be discussing the police interviews and everything with you, um, I will also be posting all the the voice recordings of police with the prime suspect um, and the because her mother actually went to visit one of the men that dumped Taylor's body and then ran over her after she was deceased she went and saw him Deontay I think it is um, I'm very tired I know this case back front but I'm exhausted um, and so I'll post the video of her going to see him in prison and discussing what happened to her beautiful daughter, who, by the way, she was only 22, talented musician, and she left behind twin daughters, baby, two baby girls. We need justice for these little ones. Um, so I hope you'll tune in and I hope you will check it out. I will post some stuff over the next few days um i don't know what case i will be back with tomorrow um because a lot of my time is going to this case 
Um, so it'll probably be a short one tomorrow, but nevertheless, I will be back with one. Um, make sure you check out the pages, especially if you want to see some of the images that have gone up with these cases. So for tonight, I would like to say adieu and I will be back tomorrow. Thank you everyone for joining us. Trust me when I tell you I am just absolutely and utterly grateful for you coming back. Um, because let's face it, in real life I'm not the... I, I'm a little bit too sarcastic at times, I've been told. Um, but yeah. Now I am going to go and eat my damn tacos because I am starving. Thank you everybody for joining us and I will speak to you tomorrow. Goodbye.